0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Security Headline. Today we're curling away and we're not talking about the sport curl. We're talking about the software, of course, released in 96, written in C, installed in over 7 billion places, actively distributed to all major operating systems. And who is the best to talk with about curl rather than its founder, its creator, Daniel?
1: So we got Daniel
0: with us today. How are you doing, Daniel?
1: Oh, hello. I'm good.
0: Awesome. So before we jump into Curl, could you tell us a bit about how, about yourself and uh, how did your like programming journey started and how, what got you interested into development?
1: Uh, well, it's been a long journey. So I'm, um, I'm a Swede, of course, that's why I have this funny accent. Uh, so yeah, I'm, um, I grew up as a teenager in the 80s and me and my brother actually bought a Commodore 64 together in the mid 80s and I immediately thought that programming was fun so we you know we jumped straight into basic and whatever and quickly learned that you'd want to do things in assembly and assembler on that machine to get you know do the cool games and demos that people did so we uh, started doing demos and that was fun and we did a lot of demos actually in the late 80s and early 90s and so i was really hooked into programming and i realized that programming is fun and i want to do this forever right so when i then sort of continued in school i wanted to do as m- much programming as possible which wasn't that much back in that you know that era we had i, I think i did uh, pascal and yeah i think i mostly did pascal in, in um in school in my you know gymnasium in sweden oh, yeah. um, that was fun and then so then um as soon as i could actually after school i did my military service and then i got uh, I had a friend who worked for ibm at the time he got me in so i joined i uh, got employed by ibm early yeah. 90s working with the aix machines rs 6000 on the power architecture which was was my intro to unix and weirdo systems that i sort of didn't even know existed. That was fun. Then I learned C and man pages and found the internet and and I also found open source there, so, you know. Wow, there are many programs and you could get the code for them and just browse it and read it and learn from them. That that's sort of my quick journey through my early development days and then I switched jobs and got into programming, I got a sort of just At at IBM, I didn't really program. I was just installing machines and servicing things for customers in Sweden. But then on my next job, I got a pure software development job. And then I also started writing open source stuff. I actually got into writing an IRC bot at some time in 90. Yeah, I think it was early 96. I started that. Yeah, we all done (laughs) IRC bots right (laughs) at some point or another.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had uh, my IRC, but it got really big, and then a lot of features. And I had like I had maybe forty different features, and then people only use like two features, <laughs> right? Because they thought the rest was just unnecessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: So that's cool. I, I also heard uh, someone told me that curl actually started as an uh, as an IRC project
1: right because then i was doing my my bot there for irc and i had that in my um i think i did that mostly in an amiga channel because i i I went from commodore 64 and did a lot of amiga i participated in some swedish amiga channels and stuff like that so and then i started running my bot pretty early on uh, and I think it was a few more channels. But anyway, and then one day it, it, it dawned on me that I wanted a currency exchange service in my bot. Sure, you okay. want to, since I'm a Swede, right? And we talked to a lot of international people and, and before the Euro too, right? You know, all those European currencies and, and US dollars. How much is hundred dollars today in Swedish crowns?
0: And Like it, and a you currency converter?
1: Or exactly. Just in the hmm. channel, you know. Oh, hey, bot, oh, cool. what is hundred USD today? And it would tell you. Oh, uh, cool cool and how do you do that Mm, i need to get the currency rates of course from somewhere downloaded to the bot machine Uh, i just need a little tool to download from that hp site and that's how it started and i actually found another program that i started working on it called http get that was the first thing was written by a brazilian guy Um, and it didn't really do what i wanted to So i had to work on extending that and i became a maintainer of it and then sort of it took off from there I added go. <laughs> someone showed up with another currency site on gophers, and then I added gopher oh. support because uh, sure, you want to have currencies of a gopher, of course. <laughs> and then, and then someone else also found another currency site. since you know, why not have currencies for every country in, um, you know, on the planet? Completely unnecessary, but you know, challenge accepted. So, I found another site on FTP that also had currencies. Ah, FTP, then I had to uh, add more effort. Yeah, FTP yeah. support, FTP cool. is completely cool. different, you know, it's a, it's a completely different protocol. So I, then I added FTP support. And by, that, and by that time, I had also changed name because HTTP get was stupid when it did a lot more than HTTP. so it became URL get. And then when I had added FTP support, after a while, someone suggested that I, they wanted to upload stuff over FTP. Now, when I have FTP support, why not add upload support as well? And so I did. And then URL get was also a stupid name because now it wasn't only a get, it could also put. So I had to uh, come up with a new name. And then I came up with curl. So I released curl the first time 1998 then sort of as a continuation from those other projects. So I actually kept the version numbers too. So I just bumped the version number again. So curl version 4.0 was released then in 1998.
0: Nice. But when did it go from just a fun hobby project to like this massive software that is like an http client for the world.
1: Uh, yeah it, it i mean it was there was never really any sort of obvious bump on the road and suddenly you know the sun went up and everything was fine and dandy it was more like you know a very long gradual development journey when we added stuff, fixed b- bugs, got more users, added things that people wanted, supported more protocols, did more TLS and S- well, SSL first and then when it became TLS and stuff like that. So it was more of a, it was fun to work on this and we gradually improved it over time. And in 2000, yeah, in 2000, I think in the summer, after summer 2000, we, I. Converted the internals and, and shipped the li- libcurl the library for the first time. So now it was the command line and the library. Then so that mm. programs could be able to you know embed the library in their code to get curl powers. And that was an immediate success too. Then immediately, for example, PHP adopted that to become oh, their whoa. their you know primary HTTP transfer mechanism, which was of course was a great success for us because PHP maybe it wasn't that big at that point in time, but it was at least big and widely used. And it has been very big driver and user of curl ever since in the form of libcurl. Then. But really, the libcurl is really what I mean, what brings up the volumes here. That's the component that everyone is using right in very high, high volume applications and servers and stuff. That, that's, that's the reason why I can say that we're now at 10 billion installations, right? Because like in every mobile phone and tablet and everything. So it becomes many million, millions just because of that. it it wasn't really any particular moment in time when it suddenly was a big thing. It was more like, yeah, we were sitting doing things and eventually at some point in time I started to, you know, it would be fun to count how many users we could potentially have. And since we're all open source, right, we only only ship source code packages. We don't even ship binaries. And we ship Windows binaries these days, but that's a recent thing. So we just ship, uh, you know, tarballs, download our tarball from here. And people are mirroring that from everywhere. And, you know, when people install it for Linux or whatever, they get their package from a Linux distro. So we don't even know, you know, we can't even count. So it's really hard to say how many users we have. So it wasn't even, you know, suddenly our counter started counting really fast or anything. It was just, well, just moving along, nothing particular happened. And then just one day when we started to count, we could see that, oh, wow, it's getting pretty popular and pretty well used and you know if you would do like a reverse lookup on packages in linux distros you could see that more and more packages are actually depending on it and using on it using it and you would see that suddenly we we could find license mentions in different softwares and products and wow cool all these things are starting to use curl everywhere so it's been a fun thing to just keep track of what, what people are actually doing when they put curl into it and since it's open source and they don't have to tell me or anyone it's really hard sometimes to know that the stuff is actually using curl because i mean nobody tells us it just works they run with it and they're fun with it so it's it's a little bit of a you know vanity thing google my name curl license and see what pops up and a lot of different products and you know that's pretty much how it's gone just gradually more and more and more and even today I, i can say numbers like you know of billions of installations but it's all a very rough estimate, right? I can do count what I think is a number of devices of a certain kind that I know they use curl because they say so, but I don't know really. So billions and billions of installations, but I don't know how many.
0: Well, but there must have been like uh, a time where like curl was taking up too much and much of of your time, because it was. Uh, I assume it you were working full time and then you had hobbies and other activities and. Uh, When did it become more of like a a full-time thing for you?
1: Very recently. So um, yeah, Curl was always my spare time project and it was always fun and I always enjoyed it. So I was thought of it as my primary hobby. So I've spent, you know, pretty much spent like two hours every evening on it. Every, ni- every night, for for many years, right? Because it was so fun, and, you know. Every other right. weekend or or days off or whatever, so I spent a lot of time just because of its fun. And I wanted to, you know, fix the bugs and improve it and get it better and get more people to like it, sort of, you know. And I I gave it away originally as open source from from the beginning because I wanted to be part of open source and I wanted to I enjoy open source. I wanted to be, you know, be part of that and help others too. And um, so it wasn't just me alone, right A lot of other people have also contributed, even if I'm still the main contributor, a lot of other people today I think we have over eight hundred people that have written code that we've merged into the repository so a lot of people and we had over two thousand names in the list of people that we say thanks to because they filed bugs or written documentation or whatever or written code so a lot of people have helped out and um so so it just has been working. It, it worked fine to have it as a spare time project too. I was employed by Mozilla, started 2014, and they allowed me to spend X percent of my work hours on Curl since it, nice. since it was related. So that was the first step for me to actually spend a little more than my, just my, all my spare time, but also a little bit of my work time on Curl. So that was fun and good. And then when I eventually quit Mozilla, I finally managed to get away to actually start working on curl full time, but that was early last year. So since 2019, basically, I've been doing this full time.
0: Oh, well. so, so curl is this like uh, it's a pretty big code base because it's uh, has picked up a lot of things during the time. Do you, how often do you like go in and rewrite things? Is that often or do you kind of, how, how um, often do you rewrite all things in, in the code base?
1: I think we've, uh, well, first, I, I would say that two things about that. Uh, first, we, of course, we never, ever fiddle with the API or ABI, really. So we okay. stay com- we stay compatible. We basically established our ABI back in 2006, and we haven't broken it since. So no. your application back from 2006 can upgrade to the latest libcurl today, and it runs the same way. So we, we make that a really big effort. But I also think, more or less by chance we went with a pretty good api from the beginning of course we have added stuff over time more functions and so on but we've we created api in a pretty good way that makes it rather opaque exactly how things work internally so we've been able to rewrite a lot of internals over time without breaking the api and behaviors and so yeah i would say that every now and then we rewrite things internally As long as we don't have to change, you know, the external behavior so that applications won't see that we actually rewrote the internals, but we did. So I do that every now and then, at, at least in areas that I mean, that are actually used and important to some extent. People, I mean, people always bring up things like, yeah, we still support Gopher, but you know, Gopher, really? Who's using Gopher? But yeah. supporting Gopher yeah. is easy, right? Because we never ever get into that code because nobody reports any bugs, nobody wants any features. So it's, you know, there's just that dusty old corner Gopher code. We don't rewrite that because nobody cares about that. So we just leave it. We have tests for it, it works. But, it, you know, it's the code that is actually used that in, in that code, we're finding bugs, we're improving things, and we, you know, rewrite stuff. So that's more of a sort of things that are used get tested, and that's code we. Keep fiddling with.
0: Okay, is it but, but with a larger project like this, is it hard to like uh, keep track of like where things are and keep it struct- uh, structured? Or do you have a? I guess you have a clear guideline on how it's supposed to be structured and how. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, first, I don't think it's that big. I mean, the the production code that is the tool and the library and the include. Headers and stuff. That's one hundred and seventy thousand lines of code, okay, uh, which which isn't okay. terribly big. Yeah. So, but otherwise, uh, we have documentation and we have a pretty good style guide these days on how to write code for this t- to work. And when over time, we've also made things more strict. So for example, the code style has been more become more and more strict over time. So that nowadays, we actually most of the code actually looks pretty the same way. Also because I've sort of the older I've got, the more I've actually learned that it's better to keep the the code similar or identical everywhere. You know, the same style everywhere. You don't have to like it; you just have to follow it. Because when it's the same style everywhere, it becomes easier to read, and it, you get a better flow, and it's easier then to find bugs because you can see things that stick out if it doesn't follow the sort of the pattern that you expect it to have.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I guess with that, that, that's kind of. Uh learning by doing process right i guess absolutely you, uh, yeah
1: yeah, yeah a, and also also a matter of you know in the beginning if you do start a project you don't have to emphasize all those teeny weeny little details right because you're only doing it for fun for a few users but as time goes by and you get more users and more features and stuff then you also also need to add those things right we didn't have tests from the beginning we added tests we didn't have a style guide from the beginning we added that because in case of a just to make sure that our product product still remains, you know, sane and uh, remains fine. We need to add those things over time. uh, Yes. uh, And also infrastructure wise and so on. I mean, the world has uh, moved on and improved, right? So, I mean, late nineties, we didn't have CIs. We didn't have a lot of things that these days, everything is very easy and, you know, distributed version control and everything is, has improved a lot for just ordinary software engineering too
0: absolutely how has the testing grown over the years with the adoption of ci and uh, I, I heard somewhere that curl takes over 20 hours per git commit to be run through the ci system
1: yes i haven't actually checked that reason but it's something in that Vincent, i think it's might be more than 20 hours too but they're not oh, wow. they're not calendar hours right a lot of that is parallel hours okay so um, um yeah we I mean, I mean, very early on, I mean, I think around somewhere in the early 2000s, we started to add, you know, automatic builds so that we had volunteers who basically, you know, checked out the code, built it, ran it, ran all the test cases on their machines. And and we had people, you know, running on uh, Solaris machines and uh, different uh, HP UX machine and, you know, all of those weird uh, legacy Unixes. And then, of course, the more common... Platforms as well, and that's that's a system that is actually is still going. We still have that sort of oh, wow. pre the pre CI way to do it. But in in modern days, then now when we can add when we have CI's integrated in, in we're on GitHub these days, right? So we have that integrated into GitHub. So when you submit a pull request or or commit or whatever, we can run CI's. So that has also exploded. We have basically since. We started using CIs for real, I think, in 2015 or so. Okay. We, had, we had some of it before that, but just a few things. It didn't really catch much. But, but since we've, we've uh, adopted it properly, we've, had, we've basically doubled the number of CI jobs every year, which has been insane. So now we're, we're at, uh, we're at over, I think we're around 90 different CI jobs now. Um, depending on how you count. So it's a lot of things. We build on, you know, I think it's 45 builds on Linux. There's 20 on Windows. We build on FreeBSD and we build on Mac and a, a, a lot of different build combinations too on them. Because, you know, with curl, you can build in a bazillion different combinations, you know, different features and different uh, third party dependencies and in the different combinations and features on and off. It's, uh, it's crazy. So it's, <laughs> we can't even test all of them, but we can test the most common ones and the most problematic ones perhaps and then of course we on top of those builds and tests we also do static code analyzing so we have uh, a whole bunch of different code analyzers that run on the code for every commit I think we're on seven or eight different static code analyzers <laughs> which, oh, is wow. bit, which is which a bit silly because most of them actually don't find anything new because when you have done it you have added a few of them adding more doesn't really help but it's sort of well they're out there and they provide their services so it's easy to just add them but Why not? Uh, Why not exactly? And then on top of all that, we're also part of the Google OSS Fuzz project, which is an awesome project to just run fuzzing on infrastructure software. So they they basically run fuzzing on on curl nonstop on their server infrastructure. Yeah, that's
0: that's actually a really interesting project. We had a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago talk about fuzzing, and there was this fuzz. where Google has basically an army of computers and they just generate automated uh, uh, input in order to cause bugs. And uh, how did Curl get into OSS fast? And what have kind of been the result of it?
1: Uh, well, for, yeah, fuzzing is awesome in itself, right? So because when you when you fixed all the compiler warnings and and you you know your tests run fine and st- the static uh, code analyzers find nothing more, then throwing fuzzing at your code is an excellent way to s- learn that it was all an illusion. Yeah, there's more, there's more <laughs> to fix. Yeah. So yeah. So I think curl has (laughs) has a few users so it's been recognized as a component that is used widely by a lot of things including a lot of things at google Uh, google a few years ago four years ago so i talked to well on our curl development conference we had a guy from google talk about how they use curl at google in their hundreds hundreds of products that uses curl which is fun hundreds of products yeah (laughs) so yeah so so there they have done identified curl as a you know an infrastructure well, an important component product, yeah. of, of not only of, of Google's products, but of stuff in general in, in the sort of you know, software infrastructure ecosystem. So they, they, they adopted curl into OSS fast themselves first. Sure. So they started running it and sort of <laughs> pointing out our mistakes. Maybe you should have a look here. Uh, oops. And then after a while, uh, another guy um, in, the, in the curl project, Max, he improved that integration uh, a lot, so that it became a much much better fuzzing in sort of integration with it was as fuzz, so now it's actually a pretty good you know probe into our code it sends junk in a lot of good ways to find problems in curl and, and, and in and uh Originally, when it started, it found a lot of bugs. I, I think we have around twenty or maybe thirty bugs uh, uh, credited oh, wow. to with us fuzz, and a few of them being security problems. I think two or three of them are are considered security flaws that they found. So it, it was awesome, and I think um, they helped us find a lot of. Problematic areas and maybe also got us into thinking and fixing other things that we should have done before they even found it, so maybe if if they could have found even more and um, so yeah it 's been extremely helpful they don 't find much these days because I think we 've patched uh, fixed all those they've found and we 've sort of come to more of a look at the code from from a more fuzzing. with that in mind. So I think we do better code and with and since we also gradually over time, improved the CIs and everything. And now we also use um, the OSS Fuzz project also offers a particular feature they call CI Fuzz, which basically run, they basically run the fuzzing on your code for a short period of time. So you basically say run fuzzing for 40 minutes on the code. So, you, okay. so nowadays, which is a great way to get a little bit of fuzzing into the CI um, chain. Then. So it actually runs a, a little bit of fuzzing before it says, yeah, it seems to be fine. It's not a complete fuzzing. It doesn't find everything, but it's at least a way to f- sometimes, you know, find obviously super stupid <laughs> problems. And all of that uh, makes it, so it's actually pretty rare these days that OSS fuzz actually finds anything nowadays, the most defined uh, false positives because there are some flaws in the actual sort of infrastructure of was as fast as triggers a few things. That's actually not our fault. So sometimes it reports things that aren't actually (laughs) Real bugs.
0: What what do you think is the the best like return of investment in the CI system. What, What kind of is the best Tool, I would say, but what gives the best uh, type of feedback? Mm. Might be a hard thing, uh,
1: yeah, because I think, I mean, they're all. I think what is really valuable, um, is to have um, tools and machines to find problems f- for to point users to because I think it removes a lot of you know that this uh, human interaction friction, you know, you could trying to point out to someone maybe you shouldn't do this because it's much harder to do that because then you as a human have to explain that and someone can feel offended because you you know you're not friendly enough or you you're being too blunt or whatever it's much better to have a tool to do that because it's sort of you know yes just a tool it's a warning from the compiler you know it's not me who says that it's the compiler so and i think that also is uh, helps when we point out problem in the code style for example it's also very good to have a tool that points out uh, you know you forgot a space in the beginning of that word because yeah is it really that important we can have an yeah. argument but, but you know it's a tool that says it so it's not me it's the tool so i think that's very valuable too and it's also as long as you have tools it also removes that you don't really have to start reviewing uh, until the tools are green. so it's a good way for users to you know get a few first red Oh, yeah. The, to start yeah. working on. I don't have the to... uh,
0: low hanging fruit. Uh... Exactly, yeah. so I
1: don't have to really, you know, point out those silly things because I have better things to do. So the, the machine can point out those silly things first, at least, and then when everything is green, I can read the logic and see, maybe we can discuss, uh, you know, is this the right way to do it? Is it optimized, blah, 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 and stuff like that. So I think it's it's good to have that different um, steps in the, in the stairs, pretty much, you know, the first things the really easy ones, a tool that says that and, and then more and more. And then of course, all the tools help out then. So they sort of become a huge together, they help out in different ways. So, and of course, things like static code, code analyzing rarely actually help that committer that wanna produ- provide something because usually they might not even understand what they point out. But in that kind, in that case, those tools I think help me more or other sort of experienced maintainers who actually understand the bigger flows or figure out, is this actually a sensible complaint or is it false positive and stuff like that? So I think they're, they help out in different areas and for different users in different ways. So I think all in all they, of course, I wouldn't use them if they didn't help. So try to add stuff that help and remove stuff that don't help. We actually, for example, removed our test coverage, um measurement a, a while ago just because it didn't help at all it was t- too flaky and it just so just was just annoying so we just removed it instead so nowadays we actually don't even know how much of our code coverage we have oh.
0: so i guess you know all the hidden gems of curl what, what are some of the like good hidden gems that you feel like Okay, maybe not the average user knows about this and uh, what kind of features of curl do you think is most uh, useful.
1: Um, Yeah, that that of course depends entirely on which user, for example, um, I often end up in a discussion with people who are the two, two kinds of discussions, for example, that curl is big when you compile it and you run it especially if you compare to some of the, you know some of my users and some of my customers i talk to they run real-time operating systems because they okay. they have systems that are too small to run uh, you know a full-fledged linux which then you're talking about small systems you know a few like megabytes embedded yeah embedded you know iot things And then people like to compare with, then often there's a provider of of that system that can provide, you know, an HTTP example. That's just a few hundred lines of code. You can build it, it becomes tiny and compare that to curl, which is going to be much bigger. And then we can have that discussion, but why why is it so big when you can obviously make an HTTP client that is this small? And and of course it goes down to, yeah, but if you don't care about, you know, compliance with standards or working with the service on the real internet and having an API that you can actually use over time stability security fixes you know moving that code over to the next platform in two years and remain you know you can have the same app using you know the same library on another platform can you do that with now so there's a lot of that Uh, so of course you can't do it microscopically small when you want to have all that so of course it I think I think, for example, in a lot of those cases, when you make devices or utilities or applications, having an API that is the same API on all platforms is, of course, really valuable to, to a lot of users if you're writing applications or devices. But if you're more of a, for example, often when I talk about curl and a lot of users and the, the most users think of curl as a command line tool, right? So what is curl a command line tool to most users because people are using linux or servers and they've been feeling that
0: right and for me lib curl
1: is sort of my that's the bulk of my work and the bulk of my what i spend my time and and uh, thinking about but of course curl as a command line tool is is that sort of way to, to, to use libcurl from a shell, then you need curl the command line tool to really exp- to get the, that power. And of course, um, one of my favorite features in curl that I, people seem to miss all the time is the dash dash libcurl option, which is a, my favorite one. It generates a libcurl code with the same functionality as you did on the command line, basically. Oh, so you write, you know, oh, curl and then, and then you know, a few cool. switches. Yeah, and so then it generates a template for you to write your libcurl code to you to do the same thing
0: oh cool that's really cool <laughs> yeah that, that, that's really
1: awesome actually so you can so so you, if, when you're happy with your com- curl command line you just add that and you get a template for your c code to do it and what's good often is that you can often use that template to even translate it to other languages since most bindings for libcurl use the same or very similar api at least so you can easily translate that to php or
0: python or yeah
1: any other libcurl binding language usually usually
0: oh that's, that's, that's really cool
1: because otherwise oh. we have this problem that curl has a lot of command line options to we added the 234th the other day oh wow Three, four. so that's a lot of options you know so of course us having a few that not everyone knows about isn't that's really a, uh, hard for people to find, of course, among among all the options. Oh. We actually just the other day reworked how how help works for curl to make it better to f- easier to find options when you list all the options with the curl command line tool.
0: Oh. When you're not developing curl, uh, the command line tool, what do you use it mostly, like privately? <laughs> <laughs> just
1: I would say I um I don't like a use consumer. Yeah, as a consumer, I, think, I don't use it that often. I use it um, just to, you know, occasional downloads up and down because I have some automated things. Um, for example, and one of my favorites is when I run one of my static um, code analyzers, which then is curl, of course, it submits the, the output to the analyzer using curl. <laughs> so, yeah. and stuff like that. Right. So I have a bunch of scripts and cron jobs and stuff doing curl things for for automation. And for handy script writing. And that's, I don't think actually I personally use it for anything really special or magic. I'm actually pretty In that way, sometimes you say you shouldn't really maintain or lead a development if you don't use it a lot yourself, but I actually don't use a lot of curl myself out of, you know, writing test cases and making sure that curl actually works the way as this. I say it should
0: yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit about your workflow. How does your workflow look like, and what text editors do you use? What uh, what OS, and uh, how does your workflow look like?
1: I um, I am an old guy. I started using Emacs in the early '90s. I mentioned uh, when I started working at IBM, and that's when I also you discovered got stuck in, in Emacs. <laughs> in Emacs, yeah, because my colleagues then showed, oh, look at it, and this is how you have to do it, and and uh, you know that was the early '90s, and it was the the alternative was vi right there was was no vim there was only vi and for me it was sort of it was not even a question so of course i got into emacs and i've been stuck in emacs since then so and i still use emacs for my everyday development um so yeah that's what i do and uh, of course um, everything is on github as i said before so we have pull requests and we have issues on github and i do well pretty much everything i do i do as pull requests on on the curl project too so i submit to pull requests and uh, usually we have a re- we have a review or comments on the on the code. Even if I I do around uh, 55% of all commits accumulated, at least are mine in the project. So I do a lot of the commits. So I do a lot of the development. But still, I I still do them as pull requests. And then if nobody comments on them, I can merge them myself, even without anyone saying anything. But I still you know, I, I still put it there so that people have the chance and opportunity for a while to comment on it. And if nobody does that, it's fine too. And I just move move along. And I do with that, I do them as pull requests also to get, you know, all those tests and tools to go through the code and see that it's still, if everything is green, then of course I didn't violate anything really terribly, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> so then I can go on.
0: Does CI handle all pull requests or is it uh... Because our, our CI system only handles stuff in, the, in, the, in, in certain branches, or does the CI system take all pull requests, or do you have to like define, uh, okay, only do this in this branch, or?
1: No, they're, um, they're, they run on all pull requests uh, against the master branch. Okay. And, and we run them on all commits that we merge. But we usually don't have development in other branches. Well, of course, everyone develops features and stuff in their own branches, but we usually don't maintain other branches than the, the master one. So once we have pull requests, we merge them into master. We, we're not that, I mean, we, we have, I think, on average, like 150 commits a month or so. So it's not terribly much. We're on that may, what it's five commits per day on average or something. So it's, it's oh, not yeah. terribly hard to keep up with. And otherwise, uh, of course I run Linux, I run Debian Linux on my machines. Basically since I, since many years, I've just learned it. I know my ways around it. So that's right. what I do. Um, well, I've been working from home since forever. And so it's, it's, I managed this transition to Corona pretty good because it's still the same for me. i worked from home since I joined Mozilla in 2014 and it, I think it works excellent. So um yeah that's how that's how I do it and I I do all my development primarily on Linux and curl is multi-platform and portable in a way that is I can usually pretend that the other systems don't exist so I can just do my stuff on Linux and it usually works the same way everywhere so I can do that and then with the CI's verify on a bunch of other machines and it Usually it's fine like that. But of course, occasionally I run into problems that are system specifics. And then of course I need to dig up people with systems or I have VMs for windows or other, sometimes they're even, you know, distro specific for some weird combinations. So I have a bunch of VMs for distros and, you know, free BISTI and a few other things, but usually I get around with Linux only. So I, I spend uh, easily like 95% of my time just on my ordinary Linux.
0: So since the CURL supports a lot of different protocol, what protocol adoption are you currently most excited about? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, well, two things, um, perhaps. Uh, first, I actually added MQTT support a while ago. I don't remember exactly when, but pretty much a half a year ago. And as and um, as an experimental feature, so it's not enabled by default and we marked it experimental and blah, blah. blah. You have to enable it in the build to get it uh, present um, but i recently just realized that since it's experimental nobody enables it by default anyway so basically nobody's using it or or even aware that it exists so i actually for the next release i'm actually unmarking the experimental tag and say so now it will be enabled by default in the next release so sort of releasing it to the world okay never mind it's not experimental anymore no, nothing really happened but basically nobody used it. And so when nobody uses it, we won't get any bug fix, or, you know, bug reports or enhancement requests or anything. So I better just bite the bullet and <laughs> ship it and see and get people to use it and then learn from that, uh, you know, what mistakes I made or what we should improve. So that that is one thing I, I hope to get to see a little bit after the next release to actually get people to use the MQTT stuff. MQTT isn't really a perfect fit for curl, but still, I think uh, there's still people who are you know if you want to automate some things you know switch on your lights or in your house or whatever stuff like IOT that when you stuff, have yeah. yeah exactly iot things just you know the easy things i think you could use f- with curl uh, so that might you you want to read the, out the temperature from your thermometer maybe stuff like that it could work with mqtt otherwise i'm i'm, I'm working uh pretty m- much with uh hp3 uh, oh the uh,
0: google quick uh, so. yeah it's oh, it's cool. based on the google
1: on the google Quick. it's nowadays the itf Quick. Oh. the, the quick is as in the transport protocol and then http three is the application protocol on top of quick oh. and that um, it is uh, the draft thirty came last week and um, it is closing into the final spec. who knows when it's going to happen, but you know maybe not this month but maybe before the end of the year, maybe early next year. Some time uh, it's hard to, I'm always the optimist too. So I'm always saying a very short time frame. but it yeah. ends up to never happen anyway. But at some point it will ship <laughs> and then it will happen because uh, all the browsers already support it. And there is a lot of servers supporting it. So it, it is coming and it's going to be fun to have curl, you know, on the train from the start. And we support HP three since a while so you can enable it. It's also experimental. So you have to enable it uh, manually in the build, but it's it's there, yeah. it works. I still have, you know, a few things that it's not working with HP three. So I have a few pending things to actually get done. But otherwise, it's, it's an interesting development. It's not going to be a game changer for curl, at least because for curl, it's just mostly just another protocol, but it might change things. for the greater infrastructure uh, in the, on the internet and so on. And as I want to make sure that curl keeps being this, you know, Swiss Army knife kind of tool for HTTP, it felt natural to be there with HTTP three as well. So when you start experimenting with HTTP three yourself, with your service, you know, next year or whatever in your, in your setups and everything, I want to curl to help you and, and allow everyone to still sit and fiddle with, you know, HTTP three stuff as well as you, in, uh, have been so able to do right. with HTTP 1 and 2 and all the other stuff, right?
0: Help out with the with adoption and development. And,
1: right, uh, exactly. And and also, I w- I'm also want to be part of it earlier, right? So we, I also can be part of, you know, try out the protocol, and see how it works for a tool like us and sort of, you know, and bring back that feedback to the working group and so on. So have something to try out HTTP 3 with a real tool against real stuff.
0: Yeah. Are there many... Websites that actually run it. I mean, Google runs it and like example.com runs it.
1: And uh, well, there's some other uh, types of Google, Facebook, Cloudflare. They're the biggest ones, but they are big. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're, they're so, they run, yeah. yeah so, and Facebook runs it then on, I think, was on Instagram and uh, some of the other stuff. So, oh, okay. And, and Google runs it on all of their front ends. So, YouTube oh, wow. and all of the others too. So, you know, a large portion of, of Servers can actually run, and uh, with the Cloudflare, I think you can enable enable it somewhere. If you run a Cloudflare CDN, you can enable it for your domain. If you run it on, on oh, that's
0: very that's very nifty. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so you can actually run it against. A fair amount of service at least. Oh, of course, I mentioned three, right, because that's, you know, the the very biggest server farms out there. But I th- also think that there are some obstacles in the way that will make uh, sure that we won't see it three on all servers anytime soon. It'll take a while until we actually Get to that point, but
0: is there actually like stable libraries for it or is it no. all just be- this only no. beta stuff. So yeah. Yeah. If oh. even
1: that, you know, it's over before beta <laughs> in, in most of the cases. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a rough ride to go there. So you have to be, you have to be someone with muscles and a strong determination to actually, you know, install it on your production server and run it. Then you have to, you know, you have to be prepared to pick up all the pieces and, and deal with it when, when, you know, when it hits the fan.
0: Yeah nginx and the other big web servers they haven't started adopting it
1: right or yeah, well nginx has um they have uh, they have a project in progress to get the native support but there is also a patch for nginx that's the one cloudflare is using so uh-huh. they actually use uh, they cloudflare uses nginx but they have a patch for nginx that uses their quick http3 library for for the http3 stuff so you can you can run Nginx. If you have Nginx on your server, you can run a patch version and have that running HTTP three today too. And you can run it with Caddy. So there's, there's a bunch of HTTP three and quick projects out there, a lot of them being open source. So you can, if you want to fiddle with it, it's just, you just can dive in right now.
0: Have you, have you done any benchmarking with it? Because I've, I've heard that it's supposed to be very, very fast and a lot faster than HTTP two. and. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There has been benchmark uh, benchmarking sort of efforts, but I think I think it's really early to say anything because first I I think most of the projects that are working on this they don't want to benchmark themselves because you know they're all more into getting things done correctly you know they have debug versions logging enabled and everything so they're not too keen on running any perf- performance measurements because they're not there right they don't want to go do anything and say measure against this and then you know measure against some production release ready thing that is optimized for the other versions and then see that oh version 3 is really crappy because you so i think that's a lot of the answer is that they don't want to really do that because they're not in that position in their project Uh, but but there are some i would say that there are early indications that you can at least get really good performance out of HTTP 3 so there's nothing that should prevent you from getting really fast HTTP 3 servers and, and performance. And, you know, you get faster handshakes with HTTP over no. quick in general, since they have for real this time, uh, proper zero RTT handshakes. So if you, for example, if you communicated with your server before, there's not even not even one RTT to get to up to the fully encrypted handshake, which no. compared to today is at least one or two or three round trips better. So getting up to to that initial connection is much faster potentially just faster because if 0 rtt doesn't work 1 rtt works um, and then of course it has things like um, well it has impro- improved a lot of things in the actual transport layer things that you know people have wanted to fix in tcp since forever but haven't been able to they could do from immediately with quick so there are i would say there are indications that http three over quick, then can be faster than HP two. But I guess, I mean, real life and reality tend to mess up things anyway. So whatever we say, uh, we We need real, real exactly. We we need a real proper implementation in both ends and then try it and and then see how it works. You know, one of the major problems, for example, is that uh, quick is done over UDP and, um, there's a big problem with UDP transfers in general, because people have blocked UDP into yeah. so many places. So that's going to be one of the first problems for X percent of all users. Oh, well, I'm at my company, we have blocked UDP on everything except DNS, DNS yeah. and possibly NTP. So, so that is one thing, right? So, uh, so of course, you know, then you can't compare it at all. So, so everything yeah. that speaks HTTP three today, they have all have to have this transparent fallback mechanisms to fall back to HTTP2 or HTTP1 in case HTTP3 doesn't even work because someone has blocked it.
0: Yeah, there needs to be be a lot of work uh, by the firewall developers in order to properly support it uh, as an extra protocol. So yeah, is it, do you think there's any stop to the amount of protocols CURL will support? Do you think there will come one day where you're like, okay. We don't want to do any more protocol, or is it like in fifty years you will have a lot of protocols? Or do you that's, see that's like that's a very good end? question.
1: Yeah. Um. Um. No, I don't see any real end. I I hope that that there's a slowdown <laughs> because I don't I don't think we introduce that many new protocols in the world. I mean that is actually relevant in a curl scenario. So I think right up to this point in time, maybe MQTT is at least fairly new perhaps in comparison to a few of the others. But I mean, we don't add new protocols in the world actually that quickly. So mostly what I've been doing so far during curls, I mean 20 years or so, we've added protocols that already existed, right? And maybe we have added most of the protocols that are sensible, that exist. So now maybe we just wait for new protocols to pop out to add and they don't pop up that often. So I think at least the rate of adding new protocols should <laughs> slow down. But I but then I don't think the internet and development in general stops or halts or anything. So I mean everything moves, right? And everything develops and 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 stopping uh-huh. and uh-huh. saying saying no, that would be basically just give up, right? So we have to keep moving. We have to stay uh, Stay with the times, move with whatever things do. If the browsers do th- something, you know, if they c- next year come up with a totally new thing, uh, this is how we do it from now on. Of course, we will jump onto that too and say, okay, then we do it as well. So basically, it depends on what everyone else does, right? Yeah, we, it, we're, we're not really, you know, leaders. We don't push for these new protocols, we don't drive that adoption. But we, if others bring them on, we bring them on as well to keep up with what they're doing.
0: Is there any like special requirements that you have for protocol adoption, or just, are you just like okay if enough of people want this new protocol to be adopted, then we shall support it? Uh,
1: well, I, I have two r- rules of thumb really. That when people bring up a protocol, shouldn't curl support this? I, I, I have. Uh, Conc- or sort of, I confront them with two questions, uh, and one is, what is your favorite color? No. Uh, so uh, uh, for this, does it have an, a URL sp- syntax? Is there a URI spec? It doesn't have to be form a formal RFC, but it should at least be formal, de facto something. There should be a URL syntax for this because curl is about URLs, right? You specify the transfer as a URL. We don't invent our own URL f- formats. That would be silly. Yeah. URL is, is meant to be you know, uniform. You should be able to actually use it on more than one um, application. So yes. we never create our own syntax. But so if there's no URL syntax, that's a big signal to say, maybe this is not our protocol. And, and the other, and that is actually, then, then, then there are many protocols with URL syntaxes. So there are actually a lot of them and not all, all of them fit. With curl anyway, because I also want curl to be the protocols for curl should be transfer related or to be seen as considered as transfer related, upload, download. They cannot, they can't be you know session oriented. And, and by session, I mean like you know SSH. The, yeah, you log into a site with it, you do whatever you want, but it's a really bad fit for curl because why, what would you do with SSH with curl? Yeah not a lot so curl supports scp and sftp that are done over ssh but not ssh itself because they are transfer related ssh is not transfer related that's sort of just an example here so a lot of those protocols people come up with they're not transfer related protocols and if they're not transferred they don't really fit with our model our paradigms our apis and stuff so then i'd say maybe maybe curl is not the home for that kind of protocol and also there's, I mean, maybe the third question is, why? Why do you want it crammed into Curl? We already have 25 protocols. Do we really need one more? <laughs>
0: yeah, Yeah, it's uh, a lot of interesting things happening right now since we're moving like all of the major interfaces are going to be web interfaces. And we're doing more and more by browsers and by phones. and. Uh, the interface uh, interfaces are changing from Absolutely to and
1: rest API stuff like that. So even I mean all the application these days, they, they also speak HTTP to service everywhere. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah, totally. So for all of our listeners that 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 are in the are like starting new projects. Do you have any advice for them that this is what you should do in order to have a stable code base in order to not have so many bugs and not have so many security <laughs> problems in the code base. What are kind of your to go to tips for them?
1: Well, I, I think um, I try to emphasize that sometimes I, I talk about how we deal with, with testing and security in the curl project. And I often get that response when I've sort of mentioned all the steps we take that, wow, that's a lot, you know, that's really a lot of work. and, and I, I never did all that. And our project is like this. And, and of course, I think a little bit of what we discussed before that you have to start easy and increase over time, right? You can start easy. You don't have to have everything in place from day one. You can get it working first before you get all the other things in place. And when you see that it actually works and you get customers for your solution you have a good idea then you start add all those other things and, and you tighten all the bol- bolts and you add rules and concepts and things along the way so at first I think you can go crazy and be wild and don't have many rules for for whatever as long as it's I mean when you're young and dynamic and just trying out things try it out first to make sure that it actually is a good idea before you load it down with procedures and, and a lot of tests that you'd have to update all the time that, that's what what i but i think you should do yes and, and of course depending on who you are if you're you're, you're the company or you're you're the person yeah. if you're a person you want to do something you want to keep it fun too right that's yeah. when i started my projects uh, i did it for for the fun of it of course you want to keep it fun and then you also don't want don't want to add procedures and boring stuff at least not too early you want to have you yeah. want to have the fun and, and do the, the development freedom, yeah. exactly and so so if you do it for the fun make sure that it also remains fun. So don't add boring stuff unless you have to. And I mean, having fun with it and actually giving it time and spending time with it. That's a, a good explanation on how to make it good, right? Of course, you also need a lot of other things, but you, you, you will get to that in time anyway. And these days, I think it's not a, it's, there's no magic tricks or secrets on how you get things done properly in the end you know all that everyone knows that you just have to give it some time and you know that you have to add tests you know that you have to do all the other things but you do, maybe yeah. you don't have to do that from the beginning
0: yeah so what what does the future hold for curl do you have a, a goal like okay here's what I what I want where, where do you want to take curl
1: <laughs> that's a really good question um i i want curl to remain solid, rather boring and stable. So, so that it can remain, you know, this trusted component in a, uh, in a world moving forward so that, um, so that people, and I, I, my, one of my favorite things that I, I, when I mentioned to people that I, I spend two hours per day, spare time on curl, you know, for 22 years or even more uh and then say but, but i used curl 10 years ago and i used it yesterday and i didn't notice any difference right it worked the same way 10 years ago what have you been doing and and I w- while of course that is because people don't look under the hood i want to maintain that feeling make sure from the outside it should appear that, like that it should appear like the eternal thing that just works the way it always worked and without anyone really bothering or thinking about how it actually works so that's that's what i want to make sure and that we keep up with everything that happens you know yeah it stays current with the protocols and and best practices and you know tls versions and cryptography and stuff like that so it just it should remain that trusted friend when you want to do internet transfers so i don't want to do any revolutionaries here or revolutions or, or change anything drastically and in general my my uh, approach to curl and development and, and life in general is actually has never been to plan very long ahead i'm taking things as see sort of fly at me yeah so I, have a, I have a few things the, the short-term yes. period ahead of time that i want to do the rest uh, play by air and i've changed my to-do list all the time so maybe right. something shows up tomorrow that i want to do maybe not and i'll just keep up with how, how things move
0: yeah, I mean that that's, makes it a bit exciting as well. Having a bit mystique in the, in the, in the daily life, not look too too far ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and since um, nowadays, when I do this full time, I also, of course, want to make sure that I get customers to actually pay for curl support. And that also involves a certain amount of listening to the customers who are actually paying me to do this. What are they wanting? What, what, they, what do they see in the future for curl? So, of course, when they pay me to do things, their voices are much more important than just the ordinary users. So, I will also listen in and see where, where do users who pay me, where do they want to go? And what What should I do then? And so on. And also a little bit what the boring part of all this is that I could actually also make choices to make sure that that I also get more customers and like I keep customers happy because I need someone to pay for all this. If I want yeah. to maintain my <laughs> Open source uh, sort of lifestyle like this, you know, I want to work on open source. I want to work on curl. So I need someone to pay me to <laughs> work on curl
0: Is it the Linux foundation helping out it seems like this would be right up the rally
1: Yeah, but no, I, I have no organizations like that are involved. Oh, okay. So, so I work for wolf SSL So what we do is basically we offer companies support for curl. So you basically pay us a a yearly fee and we take care of your curl issues or curl help, and we can do feature enhancements and we can do bug fixes when handholding or education or stuff like that. So as long as I manage to get enough customers to pay for support, WolfSSL pays my salary.
0: That's nice. It is.
1: It's a, it's a it's a great uh, setup nice
0: yeah so is there anything we missed about the curl that you want to highlight or
1: uh... probably a lot but i don't know <laughs> Been talking for for a while now uh, yeah. no but i mean there's there are of course how much i mean there's a lot of things to say but i think we've covered a lot of ground here i, I think you also awesome. talked about the basics
0: so before we end it then let's do some quick questions to get to know you a bit better what's your favorite drink
1: drink i'd say beard i think
0: what type of beer
1: ipas are uh-huh. cool good
0: what does a perfect sunday look like when you have when you can allocate your time doing whatever is it hacking on curl or
1: uh well i would say that uh, yeah it would be a portion of curl that probably is like Possibly having uh, maybe some doing something with my family, an outdoor picnic, or taking my family somewhere, maybe kayaking. Um, I usually also like to get in on Sundays, I play floorball. Oh, yeah, okay. hobbies that I really like. Very Swedish sport, too. So nobody is understanding what it is outside of Sweden and Switzerland, nope. maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: When do you feel the most happy in your week? When are you kind of peaking in happiness? When are you like, oh yeah, this is my peak moment in the week?
1: Uh, I think uh, I think two. Well, I I think perhaps when I. I mean, as a as a software developer, I I mean, there's a so total you know happiness rush or 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 feeling of of being content with yourself when you fix that bug that you've oh, yeah. chased around for forever yeah or uh, and that is that, i mean that's that's happiness and joy that's beyond <laughs> description right and, and that can happen at okay. any time and and sometimes that also involves you know that deep uh, bottomless pit first but what is this now this can happen i can't understand it and you know and then you know climbing up from that until yeah. wow finally and yes there it is the solution is there and then you know submitting that to the user from the ah that is that is awesome but it's yeah. also also very very good experience i think just to you know land that perfect fix or the first things you want to get something new done and you get it all polished and up and polished up and you think that this is awesome and this is going to be great and that's also a great feeling so sort of around development at least but i also appreciate i i'm, I'm very I'm, I'm very good at i think having done a f- like a full work week until the friday evening i appreciate a good friday evening with my family and i can feel that's also a good sensation when having done a lot of get a, got a good week of production done and just Relaxing on a Friday evening—that's awesome.
0: What's your favorite outside activity?
1: Uh, well, I would say I'm um, outside. I I'm a, I'm an old fart these days. I'm I'm a fan on doing things like, uh, especially during this corona crisis days, I've really started to just appreciate really long walks in, in, like in the, in the woods or, and I've also, and also got a kayak a few weeks ago that I've, I've also been a fan of kayaking a long time, actually. And now I have my own. So I'm going to start to make sure that I actually practice that a little bit. I, I enjoy that a lot.
0: Nice. Have you started doing like, what's call an Eskimo turn where you go? Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah,
1: I know that already. I can actually, I actually, oh, really? yeah, I actually started out playing kayak polo many years ago, indoors in a pool, you know, playing mm-hmm. with a ball and goals and everything. And then you're allowed to push the one who holds the ball. Then you, hand, bloop, you end up upside down. And then you better know that you're to turn so that you can get up oh, again without good. losing completely. So I know how to do it. It's been a while since I did it.
0: All right, last question. Uh, what type of GitHub issue do you like the most? What kind of user? Is it like when someone files a bug or wants a feature request? What are your favorite type of GitHub issue?
1: I, I like a good bug report, of course. Um, then on the, on the emphasis on a good bug report. There are so many bug reports that are not good. I mean, not always because of the submitter being bad, but I mean, sometimes just the problem being <laughs> annoying that makes it <laughs> less good for me I mean but of course someone who has actually researched taking their time to actually find out some details and submit all the details uh, you know just answering to all the you know filling in the template questions saying which version are you using which platform are you on what did you try what didn't work what did you expect to happen and just with that and, and of course, it's especially good if you, by reading that, ah, I understand the issue, I know the problem, and you know, 20 minutes later, I can propose a fix for it. That's awesome. And of course, but of course, I I love a, a good PR or why not a first-time contributor? You know, someone who actually stepped into the project now, actually took time, spent time to learn something, actually attempting to fix a problem, and then it actually doesn't even matter if. They actually fix the problem if it's good or bad, but I think just the fact that someone actually, you know, steps into the project as a complete newbie. They've never submitted code before in the project. And now they're here trying to help out. That's, that's an awesome feeling too. And being able to help someone into the project and hopefully, hopefully get that person to submit another (laughs) PR in the future. That's, that's really good.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I think we ended on that note. We have uh, covered a lot of ground. We got to learn a lot of curl with the, the curl ha- original curl hacker. So how do people keep updated on what's going on with curl?
1: Well, you can, depending on your method of preference, I guess uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at bagder, at, yep. um, misspelled animal. Uh, and uh, of course, you can. Um, follow the uh, mailing lists where, because we're an old traditional open source project from the 90s we have mailing mm-hmm. lists so and the, the primary development one is the curl library mailing list you can just search for it on the curl website otherwise um, you just um, follow the you can just you know follow the github traffic but that's if then you really need to be interested if because that's quite a lot of traffic if you're if you're just a casual user but and then of course depends on what you want to do But those are three primary ways to keep up.
0: Awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time. I had the pleasure and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot. I learned some. So with that, have a good rest of your day. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.